church every day. But I think you'll understand what I mean when we get there. Um, so, first of all, here's a copy of the book if you um, like it. As I may have mentioned last week, I think the church has sort of reached a, a crossroads. Um, and that sort of encompasses a couple of things, really. It, it's, it's about this location, number one. As I mentioned, we have a little bit less than a year left on our lease. And so the question naturally arises, well, is this where we're supposed to be, or are we supposed to be somewhere else? I mean, this is, is, is a nice place. It's served us well over these years, but does God have something else for us? And, and given the direction that he wants the church to go in the future. Uh, and so is that a piece of property somewhere? Is that a building somewhere else? Don't know. So that's part of the crossroads. Another part is uh, this idea of a preschool. Now we've been kicking this around for a number of weeks now, and um, we are gonna, we're going ahead and we're actually you know, going through all of the requirements stage. So filling out forms and paperwork with the county and those kinds of things to get approval to do it should we decide to do it. Then we don't have to start from that point and go forward. So, you know, we have been sort of pursuing that, but we still want to know whether or not, you know, God really wants to do that here. Finally, it's the finances, the financial need to make all those things happen. I mean, like it or not, ministry requires money. Simple as that. Uh, and so finances are another aspect of this crossroads. And then finally, just desiring more of God's presence and more of God's power in our services. Because everything you read, if you read magazines uh, and, and books and listen to podcasts about what people are looking for in a church service, they're looking for more of God. I mean, in this time where the world literally seems to be going to hell. Chip and I were just talking about this. Um, I don't know if you've seen this in the news. It's probably been hard to miss, but the whole furor that's been stirred up by this uh, Netflix movie called Cuties, is that it? Um, it's kind of hard to miss if you haven't seen this. Uh, it is just literal filth. I mean, it's filth, um, starring small children. Um, and so I think those things are, are sort of drive, you know, people are looking for more. And so, as I related on Sunday as well, well actually, I don't know that I told this part of the story, but a couple of weeks ago, I, I have a subscription to Outreach Magazine. And I got the subscription at home, and this particular time, it was wrapped in a nice little plastic container. And uh, inside that plastic, in addition to the magazine, was a copy of this little book. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And, and prayer is something that I have always been somewhat fascinated about, but also somewhat mystified by. Um, not that I don't understand the basic premise of it, but trying to really incorporate that in a regular and fulfilling way into my own life has been a source of constant struggle for me. 
And so I thought, well, that's really interesting. 20, that would be, you know, so I immediately started to read a little bit about it. And I was very impressed with what I read in, in the very beginnings of it. And so I thought, well, this is something that I definitely want to do myself. And as I started to do the devotionals each day, the more I got into it, um, the more that I, I kept thinking about the congregation and how fulfilling this might be for others to do it as well. Because I know other people have struggles with prayer and you know, doing it regularly and how do I do it and so on and so forth. So that's when... And so then that idea of actually wanting to provide it for the congregation sort of morphed into the idea of calling the church to this 21 days of prayer, using the book as a backdrop, but really more focusing on just praying for this crossroads that we seem to be at as a church. So that sort of describes where we are. And so there's three components to this, uh, as I saw it, as I was thinking about it. And the first is plans. And so, as a church, we have this vision. It's on the wall. In written form and also in visual form. These pictures are not just pictures we randomly chose. Each picture that you see around the sanctuary represents an element of our vision. Um, and so, among those things that are part of our vision, you could say would be growth, community impact, and spiritual presence. That sort of is what is encompassed, among a couple of other things, in our vision statement. And so it's out of our vision that these things that we're talking about come to then form a plan. Now, is planning something that God encourages? Right? Are we supposed to plan, or are we just supposed to lift it all up and say, hey, God, whatever you want to do, you do, and that's fine with us. Um, but I believe absolutely that we are supposed to plan. And I think that as we seek to know God's will, the one thing that is on us is that we've got to gather all the facts. And we need to ex assess them. Because our knowledge has got to be based on facts and not on some kind of hearsay or something that we read on the Internet. And, or anything like that. And I think scripture bears that out. For example, Proverbs 13.6 says, Every prudent man acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. And then also Proverbs 18.13, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. And I think this applies whether we're answering somebody else or we're answering God. Because another proverb says this, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. You see, we've got to take time to take an honest look at the facts. God didn't give us a brain and not expect us to use it. Right? And we use our brains to make plans. But he also expects us to submit those plans to him and to let him make the final decision. Right? So, are we looking around for different, larger spaces, better locations? Yes, we are. Are we contacting the county and learning about what's required to start and run a preschool? Yes, we are. But in the kingdom, planning alone is not sufficient. 
there's another step that we have got to take. And that's prayers. Now the scripture that I chose for this doesn't actually just immediately scream prayer, but allow me to elaborate a little bit on this. Scripture is also from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 16.3. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. See, this verse says that we're supposed to put our trust in God, but how do we do that in this instance? How do we do that? And I think we do that because we're offering our plans to him. We're asking him for guidance. And that, friends, is called prayer. You see, when you pray like that, you're praying, God, is this an open door? Is this a door we're supposed to walk through? Okay, so something happens and, and what looked like an open door suddenly shuts. It's like, okay, Lord, that... I don't think you want me to go there because all of a sudden that opportunity just kind of went away. So open doors and closed doors is kind of what we're asking God about here. And since we believe that God rules over our plans, we can give them to him and in this way cooperate with his unknown and sovereign will. Right? So we don't know what God's will is in every situation, but if we will offer our plans up to him, then we will get some instruction, some feedback on exactly how we're supposed to proceed. See, God doesn't plan, promise to bless every plan, but there really is no plan that can seed unless he does bless it. And by doing this, it doesn't mean that our activities and our plans are going to be any less ours. Right? We've used the brain that he's given us to formulate these plans, but then we've offered, offered them all up to him. And in doing so, we've made them less burdensome and better made. All right? And so we do this thing together, hand in hand, us and God. And then finally, this word profusion. Now, the word profusion, although may, maybe not familiar, means abundance. It means a great quantity or amount. It means extravagance. And I think God's profusion is fully on display in this particular verse. And this is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now this is from the Passion Translation. The, I guess the more common rendering of this verse uses the words exceedingly abundantly. If you're a King James fan, you would have definitely run across those words. It also shows up in some other translations as well. Exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or imagine. And so it's in this verse that, God, that Paul is delineating who God is. That is, he is the one who's able to do infinitely beyond all that we might ask or think. Now, in its original context, Paul's talking about the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles, right? That's what he's writing to the Ephesians about in this particular part of the letter. And humanly speaking, at that particular time in history, 
it might have been, most people, I think, would have just readily surmised that some sort of a reconciliation or a joining together of Jews and Gentiles just was not possible. It was not going to happen. There was too big a gap between uh, the two. No human or even an angel would think that Jews and Gentiles could actually come together and function as one body of believers. But Paul prayed that there would be true love between them, achievable only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now why, in the face of such overwhelming belief to the contrary, would Paul do that? Right? He knows the history maybe better than most. He knows the way Jews have always looked at Gentiles. So why would he pray that? Why would he even think that that could happen? It's because Paul believed that God is able to do infinitely beyond what we ask or think. God in his sovereignty may choose to do whatever he wills. What he can do far exceeds anything we can dream about or imagine, much less ask for. God's sovereignty means that our prayers can be answered before we even ask them. I think what's kind of interesting is if you take this verse and you sort of break it down, God's ability to answer prayer is sort of forcefully stated in this verse in a composite expression of seven different stages. First of all, it says he is able to do or to work because God's not idle, he's not inactive, and he's not dead. Second, he is able to do what we ask for he hears and answers prayer. Third, he is able to do what we ask or think for he reads our thoughts. And sometimes we imagine things for which we dare not and therefore don't ask. Fourth, he's able to do all that we ask or think, for he knows it all and can perform it all. Fifth, he's able to do more, more than all that we ask or think, for his expectations are higher than ours. Sixth, he is able to do much more or more abundantly than all we ask or think, for he does not give his grace by some calculated measure. Well, I only have this much grace left to give out today. I don't know who I'm going to give it to. No. It's beyond anything we can even think about. And then seven, he's able to do much more, far more abundantly than all we ask or think. For he is a God of superabundance. That's what this word actually means if you uh, look in the Greek. It's like a hyper amount of uh, abundance. So, if I look at this verse and I apply this to my prayers, when I'm praying about these things for our church, when I pray about a building, I don't just, I'm not just asking for a building. I'm asking for a building that comes with no debt. When I pray about a preschool, this is, I'm going to watch what Cindy does when I say this. When I pray about a preschool, I ask for one with a hundred children. 
Now, that was the reaction I thought I'd probably get. I don't think she's praying quite for a hundred children just yet, but I am. When I pray about the church's finances, I am asking for a tenfold increase in what we currently have in the bank. And when I pray about more Holy Spirit power in our services, I'm praying for a presence that is so thick that people can't stand underneath the weight of the glory that is in here. And I'm praying that knowing that God says he will do abundantly even more than what I'm asking for. So that means more than 100 kids. Now she's about to throw things at me. <laughs> Stop praying, Jeff. I don't... <laughs> so, let me wrap this up. So Paul writes this letter to the Ephesian Christians. And when he wrote it, you may not know this, but he was under house arrest in Rome. He's in prison, more or less. And at this point in time, when he's writing this, Christianity wasn't considered anything but this small, very troublesome sect of Judaism. And so believers were persecuted. They were sometimes exiled. It wasn't a good time to be a Christian. So how then can Paul write this? to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's hard enough to think about it asking that for something that no one had ever even imagined could happen, which is this reconciliation between the Gentiles and Jews. But then you add into that that he's writing this from prison. So how does he, how can he write this? Well, I'll tell you why. He could write it because he had personally experienced the power of God in his own life. Think about the stuff that Paul has seen happen. Just take his own miraculous conversion, if nothing else. And this was a power that would go on to allow the church to rapidly outgrow and outlast the mighty Roman Empire. It would cause the gospel to spread throughout Europe and totally transform it. It would inspire thinkers and leaders such as Augustine and Aquinas and Luther and Calvin. It would then launch the Protestant Reformation and would eventually lead to the building of a new world a world where religious freedom and tolerance would rise to unparalleled heights. That is the power that is at work in us when we pray. So let's pray. Father God, we just give you thanks. Lord, we stand on these words that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. This idea of superabundance. That our prayers have real power when we pray. 
that you actually hear us. And that you will come into agreement. Not that you always do everything that we ask for, but you do so when what we are asking comes in agreement with your will. And as scripture says, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes we even need to persist in the asking. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That's the literal translation of those words. It's not just ask, it's keep on asking. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And so, Lord, instill in us the perseverance to do that, to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking for what it is that we're looking for with the knowledge that you will answer that prayer. So, Lord, we just turn this all over to you. Father, I pray that those who have begun this 21 days of prayer will continue to be faithful to it, that they will continue to pray through to the end of this month, and that we can come together on the 1st of October to share what it is that we have sort of collectively heard from you. So we thank you. We thank you especially for this gift that prayer really is. This ability to talk and to communicate with the creator of the universe goes beyond anything that we could possibly think would be possible in our, our own lives. And yet there it is every day, hours, just if we'll sit down long enough and do it. And so now, Lord, we also come to remember the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. That as Jesus gathered with his disciples on that evening, the night that he was to be betrayed, he took bread and he offered it up to heaven and asked his father to bless it. And then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this, all of you, and eat. For this is my body given for you. A bit later, he picked up a cup. And again, he gave you thanks for it. This cup, too, he shared with his disciples, and he said, Take this, all of you, and drink, for this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. Lord, we ask you now that you would consecrate this simple meal, that it would be for us your body and blood. We ask you to bless it in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. The body of Jesus given for you. And the blood of Jesus shed for you. Lord, I just give you thanks. Continue to guide and direct us as we seek to know and to do your will as a church. Bless us on this journey, on these 21 days. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Chip. Amen. Let's all just, can we bring the lights down for a second? We're going to enter into our ministry time. If you need any prayer for anything, um, Cindy and Andre will be somewhere in the back, I assume, since they're already back there. Pastor Jeff and I will be up here. We're more than glad to pray for you for anything that you may need. Exciting days for our church as we move forward into the future. Amen. I'm excited. I think God's excited. If you're watching online, we're praying for you as well. Always feel free to send us prayer requests. Um, that's you know we you're just as part of our fa- you're just as much a part of our family as those of us who are with us today. But let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. I'm just going to pray a couple things out, then I'm going to pray to dismiss you, and then if you want need prayer, you feel free to hang out, come find us. I sense the Lord, um, I just a couple words I'm hearing is a wrist issue, like a carpal tunnel maybe, or some type of a wrist problem, a pain here. Lord, we ask that you would touch that and heal that right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name right now that the pain would go a pulled chest muscle I keep hearing that if that's you know we pray that that would be released right now and that that muscle would would be completely healed and functional in Jesus